Hey, thank you, choir. Woo, that was awesome. That's good. So, Ryan, um, hey, kids, we love you. I think there's anything coming on the screen. Otherwise, kids are heading to worship right now. Leanne's giving me that look like... So, um, and I'm so stinking encouraged today. I mean, I, it ha- this is like this uh, Sunday on steroids, you know. I mean, it's ha- actually it's not. It's every week here. I think Ryan's already set me up pretty much when he announced that the uh, best restaurant in the Panhandle of Florida was here and serving lunch, and so that um, shortened my sermon by 20 minutes. Thank you. <laughs> Can I say that again? And so that's a, that's awkward, isn't it? So, um, but uh, I mean, I just, I love it. I love that we're just going to eat lunch and encourage people. I love, um, you know, the beauty of our God that He would have a family who who ministers on a daily basis at the children's home decide what they thought was randomly today to worship with us. And I hope and pray that it will just be an encouragement to you guys today and um, that just the Lord um, lifts your head and we just get to be a little part of it. And so lunch is on us, by the way. Ryan said he was committed to buy lunch for every one of you. Good? Not everybody in the whole church. I thought, you, that's, I thought that's what you said. I'll buy lunch for the family. And so um, I'm just... I'm super, super encouraged just by you guys and you're here. Um, and you don't, you know, you're not asking for a major donation. You just come and give what you would typically give at lunch and that's it. And, um, I, I love this week just seeing our youngest, um, group, our youngest Bible study group of adults. Just, I've just, I've walked and talked to a few of them today and I mean, they went and sat around somewhere in the Atlantic Beach area and they, um, held soaps in their hand and they, Put emergency number uh, numbers on those soaps that will go in hotel rooms that are the highest places in Jacksonville where women and children are trafficked. And on those soaps, it says, "Hey, here's a phone number if you're in trouble." That's just that's just the gospel. <laughs> you, that, that's that's just what our church is about on a daily basis. I love. I love um, our Spanish pastor who works with World Relief and just blesses us in so many ways. Um, and I love that um, he met a family and they are coming from a, a part of Central Asia and, and they're maybe in the country a week and they're sitting on the front row in this room and we're so happy they're here worshiping with us one week ago living in another nation in Central Asia. I mean, it's just what a grace gift God has given to us. I love sitting two rows in front of a couple who are celebrating their 68 years of marriage. I, I am. See, the heavens are rejoicing with that. And so, um, Dr. Dan, Miss Virginia, I mean, we love you guys with a unrelenting love, but, um, we celebrate your marriage. And I've gotten to do this a few times now. This is so cool. And, um, the byproduct of your marriage is sitting on rows with you. Is taking up half of Jacksonville. And, but more importantly, um, every one of us in this room are blessed because you are in us. And so we wish you guys a happy anniversary. We hope it is an amazing anniversary for you. And we love you as a church. I want to, uh, end the series today 
um, in 15 minutes to an hour. And, um, and I will go as short as the Holy Spirit says. But I want to end a series. We've been talking about um, the I Am and Jesus and um, what that does for us. And in fact, the, the Scripture tells us, and so I would rather you not hear my ideas. I would rather you just read Scripture with me. And John... The 20th chapter, we begin this series with this, with these verses in verses 30 and 31. It just tells us what would be the trajectory of the last six weeks of this church that, that discovering more of who Jesus is, the I am, helps determine, define, and transform who I am. And, and maybe said succinctly, the I am defines and purposes who I am. And we really wanted to understand more of who Jesus is, to sit in this room and explore him from uh, we didn't cover all of the I am statements, but to talk about leading up to and through and post Easter, this is Jesus. This is what he says about himself. And then as a result of that, it should more define who we are and it should more purpose who we are and it should more uh, compel who we are. But I love the simplicity of chapter 20, verse 30 of the, of the book of John when it says, Jesus did other miracles in the presence of the disciples. They're not recording this book. But these are written, and this is why we explore the I am. These are written so that you may believe. And not just believe anything, but that Jesus is the Christ. He is the Son of God. And here's why. That by believing in Him, you might have life, and that life is in His name. And we're coming and just saying, the more we discover about the names of God, we are moving our life into belief in Him. And belief is not a cognitive response of ours. Going, I believe that. Belief in Scripture, it's a great Greek word called pisteo. It literally means that I have heard this, I have received this, and it has compelled action on my part. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe that He is light and life. I believe that He is the door. I believe that He is the gate. I believe that He is an extraordinary shepherd. I believe that He is resurrection. And I believe that He is life. I believe that He is Jesus. And out of the belief in all of those things, it is shaping who I am. And it is compelling my life into the very fullness of His life. I am defines who I am, not only currently, but maybe more beautifully, who I'm becoming in Christ. As I work out my salvation with fear and trembling, just trusting that our God is working something as I hold that out to Him with trembling hands, that He is working something powerful and profound within each one of us for the sake of His name. That's what John 20, 31 says. And for the hope of His glory on this earth. And so um, today, I just really want, if you would let me, uh, just to review a bit about some things we've said. Forget that. Some things the Scripture has said about Jesus. For instance, in John um, 8, verse 12, Jesus described Himself as the light of the world. He said in chapter 8, verse 12, and I'll just read that, and I believe it's on the screen for you as well. In fact, in fact the screen will probably pop up more quickly than I'm doing in this whole... Doesn't it frustrate you when your Bible completely falls apart? It happened again this week, and I'm just like, come on. See, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. Is that just not a good moment to pause and go, thank you, Jesus? 
I mean, I'm the light of the world, and whoever walks with me does not walk in darkness or in mystery, but he has the light of life. He goes on to say in chapter 10, verse 7, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, I am the door. I am the gate for the sheep. This is who I am. I am the passageway. I am the place where you discover purpose. I was um, early on, I was learning about prayer for some friends of mine. I, um, I came to know Christ at nine, at 19, just had this extraordinary life-changing encounter with Jesus. I began to learn things that I'd had modeled for me, but I just began to sit with friends and learn to pray. And I was having a moment where I was going off on a retreat and I was um, pursuing the things of God and I really wanted to go and to get to know God. And I'll never forget, a friend of mine prayed this way that, that God, I'm praying for Mark. You have waited for and you have desired this time with him, that you are light for him. You are life for him. You are the doorway to a purpose and future and more importantly, a present that he has in his life that more importantly that you have for him. And so God, I'm praying that you are waiting for him. And I, I was sitting and thinking, I get that a little bit, but I'm more of inclined this way. I'm going to seek God, to pursue God, which they're all good things, to chase after God. It's never crossed my mind that God is longing for an intimacy and relationship with me. That he is the doorway through which I will walk. That he is sitting postured on edge saying, if you will draw near to me, I am already drawing near to you. I don't know that that wasn't a major epiphany for me in my prayer life. Here's what was maybe changing in my life for the first time. Is that God was not a theoretical concept, nor was he a great theological construct. He he is those things, but that's not what he was in this moment. He is a God to be experienced. He is the Son of God to be known. He is one that I am to pursue. And God, maybe for one of the first times in my life, almost 30 years ago now, I was beginning to understand God isn't a theory that I talk about in church. He is one that is pursuing a love relationship with me that is both real and personal. And I fear for many in church life that that many of us still are hanging to this reality. God, you're a great theoretical concept. Or God, you're a powerful theological movement. And I am deeply theologically rooted. Please be rooted in the depths of theology of Scripture. But here's what God longs for from us through our theology is, God, you are a God who loves me with a radical, passionate love. And I want to move toward a God who is waiting for me and pursuant of me as I move toward him. As the theme of RSN weekend was, God, draw near to me as I pursue you and draw near to you. God, as I put aside the things of this world and walk through this gateway. I I really enjoyed where we touched on in this subject of God being the light in the door. And we talked a little bit about Jeremiah. And Jeremiah talked to his people all the time. He had an extraordinarily challenging job. God had called Jeremiah to speak the truth and reality of who the living God was. And as he called Jeremiah to this promise to speak of the reality of God, he also said, nobody's going to listen to the entirety of your life. It's a great challenge. And I wonder if many of us would step into that to say, oh God, that I would be able to go and spend the rest of my life for, for me, that's if I live to the average 27 more years, that I could spend the next 27 years just amplifying the name of Jesus all the while the amplification will go unheard. And Jeremiah is just writing as he wrote throughout about God being the light in the door. And he said, look, I want you to know that God, 
I am speaking to a group of people and I am passionate to draw them in to this love relationship with you. And I, as I look at this group of people, oh God, could they, could they not possibly be like that which I have seen in the potter's house? As he began to pray about this, God took him to a potter's house and began to reveal to him the power of the exposure of the reality of the presence of God, the wonder of the doorway into the life of God as we put our lives in his hands. And we, we as a people in our misshapen, broken, lacking in every way in and of ourselves are placed in his hands and the potter takes and shapes us into who he wants us to be. That person and source of light and exposure and heat and radiance and the one who through that doorway shapes us into the reality and the presence of God. He asked, Jeremiah asked in chapter 18, verse 5, can I not do with you as the potter has done. He was speaking to the people of Israel or to say he was speaking to us. Can God not do what he has done in the potter's hands as the light and life of men, as the doorway to hope? Can he not do this? Can he not form us again in the image of the living God? I love Jeremiah 1. If you want to back up in verse 18, this is why he had such a passion about this. It says these words, Jeremiah, as I call you to speak these truths of the reality of the light and the hope that is stepping into this world, I want you to know this. Before I formed you, I knew you. Before I set you apart, I just messed up that verse. Before you were born, I set you apart. Listen, listen. God knew him before he made him. That's such a powerful thing. You should hear this. We got an amen, but here's the beautiful truth. God, in his wonder of light and the majesty of his presence and the doorway of his hope, he knew you before you were born. He knew you before he made you. And lest we sit back and say, that is a beautiful truth and a place through which I want to walk. I want to walk in the light of the fullness of the one who knew me before I was born. I want to walk through the doorway of the one who fostered and created me and knitted me together, not the circumstances that I am experiencing today. And Ryan, in his testimony earlier, many of us will walk through circumstances in this life where we feel orphaned by this life. But God is stepping into the midst of that and said, I am a good, good father. I am the light and the doorway to hope and promise. And I want you to know that can I not form you and knit you together again? Because after all, people, I knew you before I made you the first time you were knitted together in your mother's womb. Can I not, as the light and hope, step into your life unless we believe that this is something that is solely preserved for Jeremiah? In Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, he addresses this beautifully with us when he says, as this scripture comes on the screen, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. It is something that you would never ponder boasting in. It's by grace that you're saved. And I love then when he carries on in the next verse, verse 10, he says, and God in his graciousness and his favor has created advanced works for you. Um, You're reading it straight word for word. Let me read backwards. He has prepared this for you in advance before you were born for his glory in his namesake so that you might in the light of who he is walk in them. 
I just think, God, you're, just, you're so good. I want to walk in the fullness of the light of who you are. God, I want to walk in the trust of the reality of your presence and your creativity and your wonder that you knew me and you have defined for me and you have purposed me for the works of who you are. And you have formed me for that. And so in knowing you in that manner, in knowing you as the light, and we were very in-depth with this conversation as we talked about this six weeks ago, God, expose the sin of my heart. Expose the waywardness of me. Expose who I am so that the light of who you are can craft within me all of who I am. Because I am will define and determine and purpose who I am becoming. As I allow the I am. As David wrote in the Psalms, right after horrendous sin, oh God, search me. Know my heart. Allow the light of who you are to expose who I am. Allow me to walk through the door of your shepherding spirit so that in every manner I might walk in the fullness of your grace and your mercy. The story I told at that point was just a story that I absolutely love and I'm praying for. I think that if I remember correctly there in that message, the story kind of shrunk down. So I'm so thankful it's at the front end. There's a picture of my son, John Mark, holding a beautiful little girl. And it was, if you were here for that Sunday, you'll quickly remember this story. But um, our team was, that's, that's, there it is. There was, there's such a, a moment that I saw the redemptive work of God as the church. And I'm, this is, can I just hear this before I even tell the story again? I, I listened to this one night sitting in a Caribbean nation and I thought, God, I think, I believe, I am convinced that this story should be written over and over and over in the heart of your church that church and getting together this morning is just this story over and over and over. This is Mara. You should meet Mara. You really should. We were having, we were um, on Friday night. Friday night is um, is something we're going to again start here. I think I said this the first time, but um, it is Friday night. Uh, what is it? Lip sync night? Dance night? It's, it's, it's Friday night open mic night. Thank you all so much for your help. Um, again, I think it would be a big win here at Mandarin. It's Friday night, open mic night, and it's really an extraordinary night where some of you think, what would people do here? I, I don't know what they did in Haiti is they started worshiping and quoting poetry and singing, and in their singing, they also danced a little bit. It was pretty powerful, and then the little two-year-olds got up and had a full dance party to a worship song, and it was absolutely amazing, and you know, Ella was up there dancing, and um, this is Mara, she was up dancing, and... Um, um, little beautiful little boy, spindly legs, hero of my heart. Luke, thank you so much. I love Luke. How can I forget? And Luke is up there just dancing in his underwear. Awkward for me to even say that in church. And so um, he's dancing with all of his heart and, and it's powerful. And then we finish and we're, Lydia and I were sitting looking to one another, high-fiving, going, isn't that cute? And Mike, the missionary for this organization, just walked up and said, I want you to know the redemptive story of God. Two years ago, Mara came to us. A year and a half ago, Mara came to us absolutely malnourished, absolutely incapable of anything, could not lift her head. 
And just what I want you to understand is this wasn't a cute little dance. This was a little girl who was spoken of her that she would never walk. She would probably never talk and she would never function in life. And I want you to know that we just watched her dance for the glory of the Lord. And I just right now I'm thinking, thou, O Lord, are my strength and my shield. You are the lifter in your light and your life. You lift the heads of every one of us in this room. And I just want to come before you with Jesus. Yeah, that's good. I want to come before you with Jesus as the I am, regardless of your circumstance, as light and as the gateway. He is a God who is longing to write into the story of Mandarin Baptist this reality. When this person came to me, they could not even fill in the blank. But I want you to know, in context of this community, what you just saw from two years ago, it's a miracle. What miracles are we praying from the author and king of light? What doorways, listen, listen, listen. What doorways or gateways are we begging of God that we will have our friends walk through? The doorway, the only door is the doorway to the living God. And that door will lead them into a field that is made fertile by their shepherd, their good, great shepherd. What miracles are you? Who are you looking at right now that the only thing you can think is they may never speak of God. They may never hear of God. And I doubt that they will ever lift their head toward God, much less their hands and their hearts. But two years from now, the light in the doorway of hope and salvation has stepped into their lives. My, my prayer is for a room full of people who are not currently dancing or singing of the glory of God. I am praying for miracles two years from now. Will you join me? I think the I am defines us for that purpose and destines us for that purpose and compels us for that purpose. He is, as we studied in week two, our provision. Y'all frustrate me as a church that you listen so slowly. It's amazing to me. We, we studied in, in just this incredible encounter as Jesus fed 5,000. Listen, listen, just some things that we wrote down. Jesus is the location for our provision. There is no other place. Or if you want to go with the Haitian proverb, an empty sack cannot stand. If we are not putting our faith in Christ, in all of who He is, in John 11, 25 and 26, we begin to explore, explore I'm sorry, that's the wrong verse. In John 6, 35, we begin to explore this, that, that this truth of who God is, that um, he says, I am the bread of life and those who come to me will never grow hungry. And he asked a really simple question to Philip. He said, you know, um, Philip, we have some need for some bread. Can you go and seek that out? And I love this. Philip responded in this extraordinary way of, I have no idea how to get this. I have no idea where it's at. All the while, the provision for the bread was standing with them. This one that he has seen is, I mean, so as I say, what are you praying for over the next two years? Just the miracles. I mean, friendships that you have right now where there is no apparent nearness to the living God, nothing going on that draws him there. You're just saying, oh God, I am begging you, move. Well, here's, here's what he's saying. Look, look, I'm not asking you to be the provision. I'm not asking you to be the baker. I'm not asking you to create the bread. I'm just asking you to serve it. 
I'm asking you to know that I am the provision for everything that you long for. I am the living God. This is where you gain life. I mean, we're, we're sitting with an uncertainty. We look at Jesus and say, you're, you're our provision. God, there's 5,000 people. And we have no idea. My, one of my favorite sentences of this entirety of series, mainly because I've had so many, I would, I would say dozens of conversations about a simple sentence in, in my notes one week that said, have you ever stood on a hillside and looked out at a calling or a purpose that God has for your life and felt completely inadequate? And that is from so many of you, that has been a dialogue for the last five or six weeks. And it has also been a statement that I have made to so many of us in this room. When you come and say, I have no idea how God is going to do this. And I have been had the thrill of saying, have you ever stood on a hillside? And stared out at this huge, vast passion of your heart and had no idea how you could pull that off. You're in a great place. Because you are walking with the I am. You're walking with the bread of life. You're walking with one who can take a loaf of bread and break it off and feed 5,000. So if you're standing on top of a hillside thinking, I got this, you're probably having zero trust in the great I am. But if we're sitting in this moment going, God, you are our provision. I just wrote down thoughts. I mean, when we don't have enough wine for the wedding, who's our provision? It's Jesus. If we're Baptists, we don't have enough grape juice for the wedding. When there's hope for the official's dying son, where do we go? Jesus, when we are blinded and cannot see, where do we run to? It's Jesus. When we're sitting with friends on the top of a mountain and we are... um listening to a missionary say that there's a 90 people praying and these two guys hear of an overwhelming task that they cannot answer and we're staring at a broken, unkempt church that is not yet built and these two guys walk down and I don't say a word, I'm just waiting and at dinner that night, I love Bob and John say, we're convicted by the Spirit of God that we're supposed to finish this. Do you ever stand, literally, I mean, this isn't figurative or preaching. Do you ever stand on a hillside beside a church and know you have not the resources to get it done? You have no idea how it's going to pull off? I just stand with you right now that in about three weeks, we're going to stand with Mike and Bonnie Snyder and hand them a check that is going to complete a church at Tenwa, and we're going to stand on top of a hill one day with hundreds of people who are worshiping the living God. That's so cool. I... I want so many of us to stand on hillsides and say, we have no idea how this is going to get done. But we know the bread of life. And we have a vision and heart for this. And I'm not going to fill in blanks. But what hillside are you standing on that apart from God, it could never happen? And I, John and Bob, listen to Bob this morning talk in my class. He was teaching my Bible study group this morning. I just listened to him say, we had no idea the varying streams of place. There's a church meeting right now up the street called San Jose Baptist. I love their pastor. If you feel like you get tired of me here, go hang out with Mike Reed. He's awesome. And Mike Reed is just standing in right now just saying we can put some blocks. So we had no idea San Jose would come alongside us. They're alongside. We had no idea what would happen on social network. We exceeded our social network goal last Thursday. It's amazing. We had no idea. And you know, I, I'm hesitant to tell us. I'll, I'll keep it very vague, but I, I am super encouraged by new families who sit in this room right now and who called their neighbor and I'm, I won't call you out, but I'll just, you boggle my mind when you say, I think we should buy a new couch. And then the spouse says, 
how many blocks do they need? And they answer, I think we should sit on our old couch and finish that. We had no idea the streams, but you have no idea what you've done for my faith in the last weeks. And it's just been across the board. I wrote John and Bob, I said, just, you know, I have family members who don't know Jesus who donated blocks. I'm praying that those family members one day will stand with me and look up at a block and say, that's mine and his kingdom is coming. Isn't that cool? I love it. So I'll shorten up right now. Here we go. Just the, he's, okay, how do you short on this? He's the resurrection and the life. John 11, 25 and 26, we've been studying this. And um, so since I am summarizing, let me summarize. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Hallelujah. He who believes in me will live. Even though he dies, he will live. And so we live with immortality at the very heart of who we are. I can, I can summarize this in two stories. One is a true story of the scripture where we talked about all the disciples were sitting as cowards and as fearful. And you want to know the power of the cross and the power of the resurrection? Simply look at the disciples. Ten of the eleven were martyred for their faith. I don't know if you would call John getting an out when he was exiled to an island. I think you would call it an out because while he's on the island, he peeked into heaven and wrote a book called Revelation. I mean, I think that's pretty awesome. So even on the island as you're serving God, you're going to catch revelations of the living God himself. I was I was just walking with this and I was driving home and it's, he is the resurrection in the life. He is our hope of salvation. I was riding home with my two youngest children on Wednesday night and we were talking about this very subject. And it was in light of a video that I'd shown our college students. I don't see, I see Kim up there now. But Kim Carr has recently had a video put together about their ministry, primarily to internationals and particularly to refugees. And so we had watched the video with our college students. We had talked about that video and I, my kids were pretty enamored that some people would come here from another nation and quickly come to know Christ as Savior. And that was powerful for them. And I said, but here's a story that I want you to hear what the resurrection in life does for you. And they began to, I began to tell them this story of even if you believe God, it is not this life that you live for. It is an eternal perspective. It transforms everything. And I just started to tell the story. I said, you know, one of the families in the last few years who've come to know Jesus they heard this message and the, one of the younger girls just said, no one in my village back home, which was a villa being pounded by ISIS, which is a village in the heart of the 1040 window. No one in my village is hearing this. I can't stay here. I am having to go home. And I was talking to my kids and, you know, my two little ones were just kind of going, what is that? And I said, look, here's what she's saying. She's saying, I count my life a loss. But for the, for the greatness of the knowledge of Christ, and it is, let's listen, it is not for my knowledge, it is for that knowledge to flow into me, to flow through me, and flow out of me. And if that means risk for me, I am going to go, and I'm going to risk. So we loaded an iPad, we loaded it with Scripture and her people group's language, we loaded an iPad with stories of the gospel, and she is now in another country where the first week there, there was a bomb that exploded down the street from her. I love my littlest one. She said, Dad, you are freaking me out right now. And I said, let me freak you out some more. And I proceeded to tell two more stories of people who are saying the gospel is worthy of everything. And she slept with me every night since then. 
I refuse those who come alongside to value the temporal. If you can bump against my life, the eternal is where we live. And the temporal is simply an expression of our eternal resurrection and life view. And if you are living for here and this moment, it is going to be hugely disappointing. But if we begin to fix our eyes on Jesus, who is the resurrection and the life, and set our hope there, oh my goodness, our life eternal far exceeds our life temporal. As a faith family, I'm praying that we're living and dreaming for things that count eternity. And listen, listen. I'm praying that we're living and dreaming for things that count for eternity. And I'm praying for our present decisions to be in light of that eternal perspective. Jesus, you're the resurrection and the life. So we, we've covered a lot of ground. And I just end with this. He's Jesus. I, um, I, I just was walking through John 1.14 and I want to end there. Um, and uh, I appreciate John John Turner and his humor when he wrote last week, and the pastor wants to take you through one word at a time. And I was standing and speaking on social network. The word the was in the background. (laughs) And the word became. I would end with just that. Became. I'm wrapping up right now. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. The glory that is from the one and only. The glory that's a reflection of the Father. The glory that is filled with grace. But don't miss this, and this is where we're going in the next weeks the glory that is also filled with truth. That we orient our lives around His truth. But I just simply want to close with the word became. The came is this verse is about Jesus, the one who bears the name of God, the one who bears the name that was expressed at the burning bush with Moses. When God revealed Himself, He says um, to Moses, oh, you're going to live for the eternal? You want to go and do something? And you want to know who I am? Then here's where He began. I am the I am. And if you translated it properly, you would translate it in simple terms this way, be. I'm not going to say it improperly, just if you just pause there, be. Be is the living God. And so when you come alongside that and begin to say, and the word became flesh, I love that because I know that this is not the proper Greek rendering, but I like word plays. When you put two words together and you begin to separate them, be came. The I am stepped into this planet and said, here I am. I have put on flesh and I am coming to dwell with you. B came near. B came as the word. B came as flesh. B came to be with us. B came to walk this journey with us. I am Jesus came. We will never be on our own. So B came. We greatly matter to God. We were made in His image and He knew us before we were born. Be came. We desperately need to be made alive and we are not made alive apart from the living God in Christ. Be came. Our stories are at best small, fleeting, and futile when live for ourselves. But our stories step into a resurrection story and a life-filled story when moved into the reality of Jesus Christ. Be came. We are in a wondrous story of God. Praise Jesus. I am Jesus is the summary of God's message in all of its grace and all of its truth. And it is the end and the termination of man's futility in his attempts to reach God. 
I am Jesus. Do you know him? By experience, by sustenance, by resurrection in life and for eternal passions. That's our prayer. That the I am is defining all of who we are for the sake of his glorious name. Let's close in singing this song together. And more importantly, let's close with this prayer of our heart. Jesus, teach us more of who we are in you. Shape us, not according to the best patterns and structures of this world, but shape us into the very image of Jesus. Father, I pray that you would transform us by the renewing of our mind. Oh God, I pray that we would orient ourselves around the truths of Scripture, around the beauty of your presence, and in the pursuit of the wonder of holiness. Oh God, you are. I am thankful, Jesus, that you came. I pray that we would draw near to you. I am thankful that you are waiting for us. As the prodigal son, when we turn to you, you run. Jesus, thank you for who you are. And thank you for who we can become in you. Draw us to yourself. And draw near to us. Continuously complete that perfect union of Christ in us, our hope of glory. We're going to sing this song that is just, I think,